Welcome to The Retreat, a safe space for open well-being conversations. Today's podcast focuses on men's health. Welcome to this podcast. Um, Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to talk about the importance of men's health and why we should actually support men's health research and also what we can do as research staff, colleagues, members of the public, and generally um, health professionals and clinicians, what we possibly could think about in terms of improving the health of men, um, both in the West Midlands and maybe afar as well. Um, so we, my name is Mohammed Sheikh. Um, I did a PhD. Um, I graduated in 2018. And my topic was to look at um, South Asian men's sexual health. Um, and what I used is, is that going in the background? Could you hear that? I just said, yeah, a mobile phone. Um, no, it's not mobile, it's the ice cream bunny. Comes up, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I did a study in 2018, um, and this was based in, in Brent and Leicester, where I kind of worked with a football team and a group of men to look at men's sexual health, sexual health, especially looking at the sexual health of and the culture of sexual health and men's health across South Asian men. And this was really an eye-opener for me because it opened up issues which generally, as, as a male, I don't probably come across or I've never discussed with both my family and friends. So a number of issues have come across. So um, I'd like to share some of those findings and, and generally talk about my kind of views and perspective on, on men's health. Tony, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Tony Kelly. I'm based here in Birmingham. I've been based here for the last 43 years. British born, but grew up in Jamaica and then came back here in 1979. Now, I am an ambassador for diabetes. So I go all over the country and abroad to enable and to make people aware of this medical condition, diabetes. I have it myself. So I lead by example, by eating healthily and physical activity along with that as well. I've had it for 18 years and I firmly believe in physical activity and diet as opposed to going down the route of medication, medication, medication. So that's me in a nutshell. And as we progress, we'll we'll, we'll hear more about what I do, what I try to do to enable and empower men in particular to take more control of their lives. Um, okay, and my name is Pat Ryan. I am my job title is head of information management, but I'm 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 here very much as a lay person for this for this conversation. Um, I have no clinical training. I have no, even though I've worked in the NHS for almost all my working life, um, it's always been in non-clinical jobs, um, uh, and I am probably one of those kind of people that. We're going to be talking about as we go through this who maybe maybe doesn't kind of address health concerns or is reluctant or whatever so we'll see how it goes thank you pat um i think that's a really important point um we're not clinicians um and we're not currently working in a in a clinical role to support areas around men's health but we do have kind of experience of working with local people, maybe local organizations, 
-hmm. and also trying to raise the profile of, of men's health generally in the workplace and afar. So to kick us off, I, I came across a, a report. Um, it was conducted by the Men's Health Forum, Men and Boys Coalition, Mankind, Global Action, Global Action on Men's Health, and Mengage. So there's a number of organizations that come together to put this report together. And it's called Leveling Up Men's Health, the Case for Men's Health Strategy. And what I quickly wanted to point out was some of these kind of stark figures. Um, in 2020, 19% of the UK male, male deaths, around one in five, were before the age of 65. Um, men are 75% of deaths from suicide, with suicide the biggest cause of male death under 50. 76% of premature deaths are from heart disease. 43% are more likely to die from cancer, 63% of premature deaths from COVID, 26% more likely to have type 2 diabetes, and 68.5% of diabetic amputations, mm -hmm. and 66% of alcohol-related deaths. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know they're not the best figures or the greatest statistics to talk about, um, but these are real key issues that generally, nationally, men's health is, is, is seriously deteriorating. Mm -hmm. In September 2021, the Office for National Statistics reported that the first decline in male life, life, life expectancy since the 1980s. So we've started to drop, you know, in terms of living longer, then, you know, people living in the 80s were living longer than we do now as men. So I just wanted to put it out there to the panel to think, what are some of these issues for men, generally speaking? Why is it that men don't openly talk about men's health, you know, both within families, to colleagues, but even across men in general, within our kind of peers, friends, mm. and, and circle of circle of friends and, and family members and how do we actually help men to speak up more freely so i'll come to you tony because i know you do a lot of community engagement work you're really embedded uh, and you're really you know uh, one of the community leaders in birmingham especially supporting the black african caribbean community and, and, and men in that community so what are some of those issues around men's health that are coming through within that specific community well, I'll start by saying, thanks for that, um, Mo, but I'll start by saying, as a man, there's this issue of gender. Women on the whole, if they have a pain or an ache or so on, women will go and see their doctor or their GP. That, that's a fact. Men are like the ostrich. We tend to, and I was one of those men, bury our head in the sand hoping that the problem will go away. And I'm wanting the men who are listening to this to know that's fact. Um, that's not generalization. That, that's fact. So instead of the problem going away, it exacerbates or it gets worse. So this burying the head in the sand is not the ideal thing. And I'll talk from a personal perspective where because I have type 2 diabetes and have had it for 18 years, before it was diagnosed, my wife kept saying to me, something is wrong with you. You're going to the toilet during the night, three or four times during the night. I was in denial, typical man in denial, not wanting to 
own up that I have an issue. And then eventually she kept nagging me and she's heard me speak over the years on television, radio, all over the place at seminars and, and events. And she said, yes, I was nagging you because you needed to go and get yourself checked. And this is something that men don't do. We all drive a motor car, well, most of us do anyway. We take it and get it MOT tested once a year. Now I say in the seminars that I do or the workshops that I do, your car or your motor vehicle is a piece of junk or a piece of metal. Now, why are you not taking your body given to you by Jah, Jehovah, Allah, whoever you worship, why are you not doing the same to get that MOT tested, the health checkup that needs to be done? We are in Britain. It's not costing you anything. You're not in some Caribbean countries or Asian countries or in America where it costs you an arm and a leg to go and see your doctor or your GP, general practitioner. So I went eventually, could take the nagging no more, went eventually with a sample of urine to my GP um, and she put a dipstick in and she said, in the urine, and she said, you have glucose or sugar, same thing in your urine. And I think you have diabetes, but I'll send off a sample of your blood to the lab and it will confirm the, di the, the diagnosis, which it did. And they even said to me, Tony, the records show you have not been down to this surgery for the past eight years. And to be honest, Mo and Pat, I held my head down in shame. <laughs> but that is no longer the case. I go annually for my checkups. And trust me, if I have an ache or a pain or an itch or anything on my body, I make my appointment to go and see the GP to go. And this is what I'm wanting to encourage men to do. I'll leave that there for the time being. Yeah. So, so Tony, um, it's interesting um, you say that because even in my own research, this was one of the issues that came out. And I think men generally think that there's um, this issue about not wanting to disturb other people or not not be a burden on local services or mm -hmm. your local primary care GP services. Mm -hmm. So men are reluctant to do that. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the finance issue that you spoke about, is it a cultural thing where different generations who have migrated to this country think actually... You know, although there's no cost element to it because we, you mm. know, we're thankful for the NHS, but they think actually we'll only go to services um, if there's a big major issue wrong with us. So yeah, all yeah, these minor yes. issues, which generally tend to kind of grow and evolve into sometimes mm. a bigger issues, they yes. will look to go and see their services, um, GPs or, you know, local services. You've, you've, you've touched on a lot of them there, but a lot of it is to do with being macho and manly. I don't want to be seen going to, and that's cultural as well, but mat, being macho, being manly, I don't want to go um, tell this doctor, whether it be male or female, that I have this ache or this pain. It's, it's just not seen to be the right thing to do. So it's about this suffering in silence and waiting until it's too late. The horse has bolted and gone through the day, gate because one of the major issues I come across with men, I do a lot of work with people with prostate cancer, it is one of the easiest cancers to cure in men, the whole issue of stoppage of water, etc. But men are not they're hesitant, they're reluctant, they're saying, oh, no, 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 um, I'm okay. And they're far from okay. And if they would only go and get their annual checkups, 
which is what this is all about getting men to say hey let's take the initiative and there might be some women partners wives girlfriends mothers listening to this program they too need to encourage their men folk to go and get their health checkups just once a year just like how you do it with the mot for your car or your motor vehicle that's all we're asking of men to do make that effort it can mean the difference between not scaremongering anybody but the difference between life and death Pat, over to you what, what, what's your thoughts on um, it i think i think the mot analogy is hugely powerful mm -hmm. and it's come it's come on a very apt actual date because i rang up my garage only a few hours ago to book in my car next week for its MOT. <laughs> And, you know, a car, yes, a car is an expensive piece of kit and all the rest of it, but mine's 10 years old now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it does, if it does die on me, I can get another one. It'll cost a bit, but, you know, I can replace it. But if my, if my kidneys pack up or my lungs should go or, or, or my back or my brain or whatever, you know, I'm, I've only got the one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't replace. Okay, maybe I could replace a limb or whatever. But but, you know, it's not it's not as simple as it's not as simple as going out and buying a new car. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it almost makes me wonder whether, you know, we should we should try to diarize. We should we should say to ourselves, okay, it's my MOT. Mm -hmm. This is a good reminder to 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 ring my GP, and actually book in and get a check. Mm -hmm. Now, as it happens, I've 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 recently moved house. I've moved to a new part of the country, and I registered with a new GP only a week ago. So I do have an appointment in a couple of weeks just to go along and have a new patient check. Um, and and you know maybe that's going to be a good reminder to me to um, you know to actually start to take notice of things a bit more and you know to to be a little more proactive in my own health. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we, we all agree on is that men need to take some responsibility yeah. mm -hmm. for their own health mm -hmm. and not be afraid to kind of access support, mm -hmm. whether it's going directly to services or or individuals that we know from the health service or from even friends and family members, you know, who might actually give an insight into how we could, you know, better our health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Do you think the responsibility only lies on on men then? Because there's also these services, similar services, or most of these services are, are, are unisex in terms of providing services for everyone, both mm -hmm. male and female. But the female population tend to do better to access these services. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a responsibility for services to actually change or adapt in the way they engage with men around mm -hmm. men's health and talk about men's health? Because uh, uh Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100% because I sometimes do more men only groups and it's, it's amazing how much it brushes off or rubs off when one man starts to talk about his issues or this, that and the other and others start chipping in. Oh, that's the same with me or I didn't realize I thought I was on my own here. But when they're in a men men tend to be somewhat embarrassed and humiliated and not and and very shy it, and forth not forthcoming if they're in a group with women and, or people of the opposite sex so if you have men on the groups where men can then talk about amongst themselves about 
oh, whether it be the stoppage of water or the, the slow drip in, or, 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 or going to the toilet often or, or I'm having this backache or, or my stomach. Forming men on the groups in communities is a way forward for them to get together. And, and, and some will say, hey, I had that problem two years ago, 18 months ago, and this is how I dealt with it, or this is what I did. Or, or they might, the, the, the other men might sort of be more powerful and say, hey, go get yourself checked out. You need to go get checked out. We don't like hearing what, we, what, what we're hearing you say. And, and, and you've had that problem for the last six months or nine months, and you haven't been anywhere near a GP surgery. So there's power. it's about power and giving that authority to men to say, hey, you can do something. And if they hear it from other men and say, oh, you also had that and, and, and you got it rectified. And it's a fear factor as well, because the word, and we're not talking the C word being COVID, we're talking the C word being cancer. A lot of people, then they hear the word cancer. It, 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 it frightens them, you know, it sends shivers down their, their spine. But as we said earlier, there are a lot of cancers which, if caught in the nick of time, there can be preventative um, stuff done in terms of whether surgery or medication or or what have you. So we need to overcome that fear factor. And women aren't fearful; they just go. But this this macho manly image of oh, as a man, I can't go and sit in front and tell anybody my problems and so on. We we need to get over that and try and get over that hurdle and that barrier and that obstacle and open up. Um, the whole issue of opening up and disclosing what, whatever we're having. Because I have actually watched, I think it's on Channel 4, Embarrassing Body Parts. And I've seen people come onto that program. My wife and I have sat there and seen people who have had embarrassing body parts, which they have not disclosed with anybody at all. And yet they are on Channel 4 showing to five, six, seven that million people. That makes no sense at all. You, yeah. you have this embarrassing body part. You've had it for the last two, three, four, five years. You shared it with nobody. And here you are, all the cameras are pointing on you, and, and the whole world is watching. And I think, well, that defeats the whole purpose of the exercise. <laughs> I don't know if that's your experience, but that's what I find with some men. And I think, well, if you're too shy to go to your doctor, who's going to see you privately in a room with nobody else present, how can you have the go to be going on national television? What's that all about? It's, 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 it's interesting because it it's like the macho-ness or the macho culture we have amongst mm -hmm. men, but it works in parallel with this fear, you know, this fearful culture that you spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. they, they're intertwined, aren't they? Yes. So it's like you're scared to go, you know, um, and me, you know, I mean, I've done a study on, on men's health and I chose a topic which was like probably the most sensitive topic that you could talk yeah. to with yeah, this yeah. group of people or this this small population mm. and um and and even then you know even now you know if i'm going to my gp and, and visiting my gp and i've got some issues myself mm -hmm. i'm reluctant because i'm just thinking oh i don't know i don't think i should be raising this and you know my you know my wife's just encouraging me to go so i i really mm -hmm. hear what you're saying mm -hmm. The other thing I was going to ask, um, Pat, I'll come to you, but, but I was just going to say, just throw it out there. Do you think men put less emphasis on their health as a priority because mm -hmm. they just get on, you know? Mm -hmm. Or do you think women are better at putting, you know, emphasis on health? Not to say, yeah, um, you know, mm -hmm. you know that 
you know, um, you know, um, women, you know, put more priority, you know, because, you know, it, it, there's 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 services out there that could help them, but yeah. just generally that we're not very good at kind of making sense of I this. Have, I have wondered about what might be behind that, and there's certain there's certainly the macho thing, the 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 mm. feeling that that you're a man and you need to, you know to kind of deal with things yourself and not ask for help and all the rest of it. But I do also wonder whether there's something in the fact that that most women or, or certainly a lot of women go through childbirth, mm -hmm. get, get involved in a kind of a medical um, situation, you know, generally in their 20s or their 30s. Mm -hmm. And they're generally the ones who then take the kids to the doctor and take the kids for health visits and all that. And I think women are just more, and this is a huge generalization, of course, but I think maybe women are just a bit more um, kind of comfortable with the whole health setting. They're more used to nurses and clinics and obstetricians and, you know, they go for smear tests and they go for breast scans and all that sort of stuff. And you know, although there are certain things that men should be going for, I don't think that kind of, um, it's just not as normal for men. If you, if you, if you touch wood are lucky enough to stay relatively healthy through your youth and your middle age, there's no real need or you don't see a real need to go to the doctor very often. Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a very minor nagging sinus problem that I've had. Mm -hmm. for all adult life and it affects my it affects the quality of my sleep but apart from that it's 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 not bad i'm tired sometimes and i've been to the doctor once or twice about it and you know they try various nasal sprays or whatever and they say there isn't a whole lot we can do about that but you know there are certain you know i gave up smoking years ago mm -hmm. um i tried to keep an eye on my weight Mm -hmm. about alcohol all those things that might be having a kind of an inflammatory response around my nose and my sinuses mm -hmm. and um i keep on top of it but apart from that if i should hurt my back or or feel a bit rough one day i don't think i'm going to go to the doctor for this because mm. i feel like i'd be just wasting their time yes and that, that's that's it, right absolutely it, spot on Pat. Mm. Working in the health service and knowing how busy everybody is mm -hmm. and how vital it is that mm -hmm. those doctors and nurses are concentrating on people who really need their help. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like if I go along and waste 15 minutes of their time, that's 15 minutes they could have been using for someone who actually needs it. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is if you go on with that attitude for year after year after year, mm -hmm. Eventually, like Tony said, mm. something will raise its head that's been there all along and you should have dealt with it yes, earlier, mm. months or years earlier, mm. and you didn't. And mm. now, God forbid, it's something it's something more serious that mm -hmm. would have been it would have been a whole lot easier if you had dealt with it early noticed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's a really important point because as I mentioned, some of those stark statistics at the start, one of those was that 2021 ONS data where it says there's a decline in life expectancy mm -hmm. for men. You know, so 
I had no idea about uh, that. So if that's starting, I don't know exactly how much of life expectancy that's declined. Is it months? I, I, I pretty much doubt that it's a year or, mm-hmm. or beyond 12 months. Otherwise, that, that figure would have been shared in that report. Mm-hmm. But, but because we keep doing this, Pat, mm-hmm. we keep putting putting it off. You know, mm-hmm. we keep putting our health off. And, and it's just, I think some of the solutions are, we, we've already touched upon them. Both you and Tony have said what we need to do is maybe talk talk about this yes and as men we're really good at talking about everything but about yes. this yes. I, I can't understand why we just can't talk about this so yes. is there a certain barrier whether it's culturally whether mm. it's family um your upbringing or you know connections with your own father your relationships individually mm. and the other thing i wanted to put to both of you is that we're talking about men's health but we know there's significant differences for ethnic you know health issues which are quite pertinent to uh, men from the ethnic minority community to the white population um so we know there's certain issues you know mm. like blood pressure heart disease um, and even now dementia which is a, a massive increase ac- across south asian communities as well so do you think we need to talk to men from communities but we need to talk to them differently or do we have just one approach that basically puts all men together is that the right approach How do we... no, no 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 we we can't talk to all men and put them all in the same compartment or the same box or so on there will be cultural differences that we need to take on board generally speaking men tend to bottle up their feelings and emotions that that's fact so in terms of men crying or men showing their emotions or men I'm showing their feelings. That's not the done thing. But having said all that, I go on to mention things about, I'm trying to get men to say, a problem shared is a problem halved, or if in doubt, check it out. But you have to have some understanding of the cultural background, um, which will differ from the, the white population, from the Asian population, from the Black African, Black Caribbean population, you need to have some nuances about the cultural sensitivity and what um, what you can discuss in, um, with with a person in, in in privacy and what it's best to 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 not discuss etc it, it it takes more than one approach so it's not a one glove fits all that mm-hmm. approach whatsoever there has to be different types of approaches for different ethnic groups that you're dealing with and you need to know the mores and, uh, and, the, and the sort of um, approach to be used, say, in the Sikh community, which might differ from the Muslim community, which might differ from the Hindu community. So this homogeneous thing of, oh, we just do it for all men in this way, that, for a start, is wrong. And the same within the African Caribbean community, there are going to be different approaches within the African um, countries in terms of Nigeria, Somalia, uh, uh, Somalia, etc. The same within even in Caribbean communities, there might be different approaches. So one needs to be able to know about the cultural competencies and the cultural sensitivity in order to then address with the man in front of you or the group of men in front of you, how you're going to get them to loosen up, um, bring down the barriers. Um, because I'm into the whole issue of equity I, I, don't, I don't like the words equality i'm into equity where you move the obstacles the hurdles 
the barriers so liberation and people are then free to engage and say this is what's happening this is what's not happening also so one has to have especially people in the healthcare profession of course we're not healthcare professionals but they need to have the right know-how then right sort of questions to ask this asian person different from what they would ask that white person because there are going to be cultural differences there that they need to take on board um and that's vitally important and if you don't do that from the start you'll actually lose the very person that you're trying to get to come into your services because i would have liked to have seen a study to show what percentage of african caribbean asian men don't bother to keep appointments that they've been given by the gp or the hospital or the clinic because i would suggest to you the percentage is very high they get appointments and they just think oh as 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 pat said earlier i can't be bothered it's nothing too serious i won't bother to keep their appointments and then after a while the whole health service works they offer you one appointment they might offer you one more and then that's it you go off the radar they, they don't have time because there's so many missed appointments and even the tory government and that's not the way to do it were saying for every missed appointment they were wanting that's the other day a shock shock horrors they were wanting people to be penalized be punished by way of a fine for not keeping is that is that the way you're going to try and deal with health issues amongst any generation at all that's a totally mm. wrong approach to adopt um and, and that fills me with fear and scaremongering and anxiety that you're going to say if the person doesn't keep the appointment we're going to find them yeah okay Just to go back to the to the cultural thing that is hugely important not to treat all men the same way and to be aware of all those sensitivities from one community to another the problem is how do you how do you actually implement that if you are let's say you're a doctor in birmingham uh you might be a man you might be a woman you might be black white muslim whatever you're and you've got a clinic full of people and that clinic full of people might be all different it could be from all different communities how how do you as one person as one doctor have all of those cultural sensitivities inside your head you can't possibly cope with all of them or or, or you're just not going to be successful if you try to, because you won't have that understanding of quite how the hindu community is different to the to the afro-caribbean or to the irish yeah. well but part that goes back to medical school within the medical school and within training they need to bring people on board this notion of um doctors and they, and people put them on a pedestal and they will know the answer to everything you have to bring in people who are aware ambassadors and community champions and people who are very grassroots and know about their communities and involve them in training the junior doctors to say when you see uh, a person of this ethnic background these are certain things that you need to take on board and and do equity and diversity and anti-racism training with them cultural competence cultural sensitivity you're not going to be able to cover every single eventuality but some basic fundamental principles mm -hmm. need to be established so that i as a black man when i go before a, a doctor is able to sort of say things to me to bring out from me and this is why some people don't bother to go to the doctors some asian african caribbean people decide because when they're going, they're asking them questions which are so white Eurocentric yeah. that, 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 that they think, 
that doesn't have anything to do with me. Why is this doctor asking me? Why isn't he asking me about Corella? Why isn't he asking or she asking me about okra or ladies' fingers or about um, um, lentils or, 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 or things that I can relate to? Or they're putting in front of me, well, change your, your diet. And then they're putting up a sheet, which is predominantly what white people would eat. So even that, that base, basic mm -hmm. fundamental thing yeah. of diet, has to be the starting point. They don't mention anything about the sort of oils that are used in the Asian community. They talk about vegetable oil or, or, or other types of oil. And you say, well, hang on here. That, don't, those don't, I, I don't see anything relation, that doesn't relate to me. So you have to have a basic understanding mm -hmm. of the foods that are eaten in some, some cultures and the foods that are not eaten. Mm -hmm. What's the Mediterranean diet? And, and, and Corella, what exactly is that? And what is coconut oil and what is this and what is that that has to and all of it can't be taught in the medical schools the mm -hmm. doctors themselves need to go and make themselves aware of so that they are then able to uh, address with the person in front of them what the issues are so the person feels comfortable and feels this this man or this woman has an understanding of my culture mm -hmm. I, I can relate to them so I agree with you, Pat. They, they can't learn every blessed thing. We're all on a learning curve, and every day we learn something else. But the basics and the fundamentals have to be in place more than just the Euro, white Eurocentric model, which which won't work. Yeah. I, I think um, it's a really valid question, Pat. Uh, and thank you, Tony, for that answer. And I think it comes down to understanding your local population. Mm -hmm. You know. We really need to do, you know, to, to use your example, Pat, if the GP knows the local demographics and what are some of those issues, mm -hmm. then half the population will or are likely to be men. Hopefully they'll have a better understanding about some of those cultural, mm -hmm. those community perspectives and issues that are with, within that specific local demographic. Mm -hmm. And I think just reading that levelling report, which I referred to earlier, one of the ways forward that it says is that we need to bring in men's health specific organizations from the voluntary sector. Mm -hmm. So these are organizations and community groups who have, you know, on a day to day basis are always, you know, raising the profile and raising the issue about men's health within the community, with the community. And I think it's important researchers and health professionals mm -hmm. start to look towards the experience and expertise, especially within the voluntary community, mm -hmm. faith and social enterprise sector to bring that expertise in because we know we don't have that knowledge or we don't have that expertise. And yeah. sometimes we're not the right individuals to, mm -hmm. to, to, to share information or disseminate some of that learning it's mm -hmm. best to leave it to the experts you know we, we need to bring them in mm -hmm. you know I, I was going to ask pat uh, before you go on to that another yeah. way of putting that is we cannot work in silos or we cannot work in isolation so the gp who might think he or she is the fount of all knowledge which they aren't they need to work collaboratively with the people as you rightly said mohammed in 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 communities here so not working in silos not working in isolation we all need to a chain is as strong as its weakest link so we all have to work together a collaborative approach so i might be strong in this area mo might be strong in another area you pat might be strong in another bringing those together and saying oh let's work teamwork there's no i in the word team mm -hmm. yeah 
and, and and also just just to kind of talk on this topic is um there, there was a program there was a, a community engagement program in the nihr um it was done in 2021 it was called Re uh, reaching out i think it was in the north of 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 the country and what they realize uh, trying to engage underserved communities in research and so what are some of these barriers and what they realize is that research needs to be not the primary language or the primary word that we use it needs to be a secondary kind of topic that we discuss what we need to discuss is is the real issues health issues within the community mm -hmm. and then bring in research as that secondary topic mm -hmm. and i think i i don't see why that's any different to men's health you know where we talk about some of these specific issues within specific communities so just to start those conversations and then maybe bring in other health topics in you know um so that we could start to explore a, a much more of a wide wider kind of range of issues which are kind of impacting on men's health mm -hmm. so one of the questions or one of the issues that i wanted to speak about is we're, we're all young men here you know mm -hmm. so do you think there's generational differences between young men and and the older male population do you think it's that the older male population probably don't talk about health and younger men tend to talk about health a lot more openly and freely do you think there's generational issues or do you think it's it's the same within those kind of different age groups i expect there is a limited amount of generational difference i'm only going by my father and my son um, my father is 90 and uh, luckily has remained pretty healthy apart from being you know stone deaf and half blind now but he's He's going along, um, but he hates going to the doctor because they tell him off about the fact that he still takes sugar in his tea and stuff like that. And he doesn't see that they actually are doing him a whole lot of good. Um, he's never been one to talk about his health. He will talk to the doctor and he will talk to nobody else about it. Mm. My son, on the other hand, um, has had type 1 diabetes since he was 13. So he's he's quite used to the whole health thing. Mm -hmm. um, um, I'm trying to think how he behaves with his friends, um, the guys he went to school with, the guys he's known all those years. I, d I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between his generation and the older ones. A, a bit, a bit, I suppose, because now there is, um, you know, there's a bit more openness. There's a bit more um, kind of willingness to, to be open about mm. health, sexuality, you know, all kinds of things. But, but, mm. I think we have an awful long way to go though because mm. i think that what do they call it that toxic masculinity i mm. think that, i think that's still there and that's there in young men mm. in spades i think in a lot of guys mm -hmm. i take a slightly different view in um part where, where i think age is a barrier uh, the older generation are so set in their ways that trust me, then they're not gonna change. The younger generation from what I've been doing out there in the community, technology has come a far way. So a lot of them possibly don't necessarily go to a doctor, GP or clinic for advice and so on, but there's a lot of stuff online that they are now able to yeah. read and digest. However, for the persons who will be listening to this podcast, I'm saying, some people out there are quacks 
fakes, phony, and false, putting up information, you need to go to the tried and tested websites, the official websites for information about. Some people send, tell me, Tony, I sent off for this pill or this potion. Who from? Oh, somebody was selling it on the internet. How do you know what is in that pill yeah, that you take? Yeah, 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 I know. That's so dangerous. It manure, it might be grass, it might be cow dung or what have you. So you can't just take up your hard-earned money and decide, oh, because this man says he can cure diabetes or he has a cure for cancer or he has a cure for my eczema, I'm going to send up. You need to go to the tried and tested websites. And that's an issue as well that's out there with social media where there's so much information out there and people are not sure where exactly should they access. Go to the official National Health Service or, 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 or other um professional websites where you get your questions answered and if in doubt still check it out which means you go and make an appointment first of all there's still some men i know who are not registered with a gp and that for me is, is terrible or have not been to their gp surgery like i was one of those for eight years you need to i will go back and saying you need to go and have your checkups done that is so important uh, uh, and no matter what age you are, but there is a generational thing there, I think, um, more where the younger generation seem to be more in tune. The older generation aren't into technology, just like me as well. <laughs> they're technophobes. So um, they're not getting the information from anywhere at all. And they're not going to the GP. They're not getting it from the website. So that they're just suffering in, in silence and, and being nagged by their wife, their spouse, their mother, their, their sister, or so on. Um, and we have the women folk to, to thank in a lot of ways because I know of a lot of people who, if it wasn't for the women folk, but not everybody has a, a has a woman in their life. Some people are single, some people are on their own. And um, who is here to enable and engage them? So a lot of religious places also have um, health and well-being groups. Not the imam, not the pastor, not the vicar, not the priest, but within some churches, Gurdwaras, mosques, and synagogues seek out the health and well-being group. There are some health and well-being groups. Some are mixed. Some are all just men only. Some are women only. That's another avenue people can go down and say, "I'm going to seek that out within the the, the, the the religious group that I'm a member of, and, and try and they will try and get me an inroad, and they might signpost me to where I need to go for this. It might be an issue for, but." Most of at the beginning, the suicide rate amongst men, because men are not into wanting to open up and sharing their feelings and emotions. And if men would only just say, okay, I'm going to go see Samaritans, or I'm going to go to this person or this counselor or what have you. Um, most people in America have a shrink or a psychiatrist. If you don't have a shrink or a psychiatrist in America, people ask, is something wrong with you? But mm -hmm. that's the norm. Over here, if you have a shrink, as I like to call him, or a psychiatrist, people say, oh, this man must be mentally mad. He's, men he's unstable or something else. Um, mm. There's nothing wrong. Just like we talk about our physical health, our emotional well-being comes into it as well. And we need to, if we're feeling low, feeling down, feeling depressed, we need to go and seek help and talk to somebody about it. That's so important as well in this conversation that we're having. That's really important, actually. And it does make you wonder, you know, if you had a problem with, with your leg, you wouldn't be in any way embarrassed to go to the doctor and say, look, mm -hmm. this bone in my leg, it, it hurts mm -hmm. or it's, mm -hmm. 
a bit sort of deformed or whatever it might be. I've injured it somehow. Yes. And yet, and yet your brain is, you know, the biggest, most important <laughs> organ in your body. And if mm -hmm. something goes wrong with that, why should you be embarrassed? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody is. There's there's mm -hmm. a there's a horrible stigma around mm -hmm. it. There's a stigma attached to it, yeah. Mm. Yeah. How yeah. you ever get through that? Mm. The, the, the figure I shared at the start, Tony, was that seventy-five percent of de suicide deaths are from the male population, yeah. male community, mm. and of those. Um, the biggest cause of male death under 50 is suicide. That's mm -hmm. I, that is, it's shocking. That's I, shocking. Mm. I've got a friend just before pandemic who, who, who you know, did passed away, you know, who, who did suicide. And this was just before the pandemic. And he was only two years older than me and, and we grew up together. So mm -hmm. there's, there's this issue, like you said, Pat, it's just like, you know, we just internalize this issue when we're going through issues, you know, mentally, emotionally, and then it just kind of explodes or it mm -hmm. can sometimes, you know, just goes into something very... He must have got to the point where he literally could see no other... Uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's horrific because mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. must be so many ways for mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. if that is make, making time for people because when yeah. somebody says, how are you? And you say, oh, I'm all right. Don't just take that as that 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 oh yeah. i'm okay i'm okay i'm all right you need to delve deeper yeah. no no you just said to me you're all right um are, are you are, is everything okay or what are you trying and ask some more probing questions to see sometimes people put a mask up or put a barrier up oh yeah. i'm all right i'm okay nothing's wrong with me when deep down they are in pain they're in hurt they're suffering so it's the approaches that we have to also try to adopt to, to get from illicit from the person. Are they really all right? Or are they putting up this barrier, this mask, the digital, this macho manly um, uh, um, approach and so on? So even that, but having this conversation now with you, Pat and you more, and hoping that other men will listen into it, into it, it is a starting point. We, we need to have these more, like these conversations need yeah. to take place. People out there, men in various communities of whatever ethnic group need to, need to hear this need to tune into this podcast and say well hang mm -hmm. on here um you know th this this is good that this is taking place i'm i'm, mm -hmm. I'm being made aware i'm learning things from, from from all of what's being said here i'm picking up pointers of how to deal with my emotions my feelings the, the hurt i'm suffering i'm going through a divorce or i'm having money issues and how can we sign them to debt, EBT counseling, or what have you. I've just lost my wife, and and I just don't know how to cope, and, and so on. And this, there are quite a few organisations out there which which we men need to be aware of, and and probably part of it might be more to say, okay, at the end of the, the session when Anthony puts it all together, here are services with phone numbers that you can contact for bereavement there's crews the samaritans there's this one for debt yeah. counseling there's this one for um having divorce issues or feeling mentally low or so on that that mm. might be a starting point as well and yeah. and a lot of them also because i've sort of been in this field a long time they don't just do them in english languages 
some yes. you can find out there community groups charitable groups which will do it in hindu punjabi gujarati arabic etc so that that needs to be made known to to, to the community at large that you know yeah i i agree i think accompanying this podcast if we could share some links yes. to reputable mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. organizations and groups social mm -hmm. media definitely has a has a place you know mm -hmm. uh, a platform but it needs to be from credible sources okay. yes and, yes. and mm -hmm. sometimes from trained professionals who are mm -hmm. giving advice mm -hmm. rather than chat forums mm -hmm. or yes because mm -hmm. everyone's individual experiences are different mm -hmm. yeah Pat, just on the topic of of men's health i was just wanted to ask one question about research you know, uh, we've been working in a network, uh, uh, and you've been working a lot more longer than the network from the old networks than, than yeah. myself. But generally speaking, I don't see much research, you know, uh, sometimes coming across my table around men's health, although most of the research is targeting everyone. But do we have specific areas, or do you think there's a I, lack of studies on this? Or? This question and giving me time to research it because. <laughs> The kind of the kind of work I do, um, I tend to go by the code numbers of studies and which specialties they're in, yeah. and I'm dealing with spreadsheets with kind of dozens or hundreds of studies at a time, and I rarely stop to even look at what a particular study mm -hmm. is about. So actually, if you gave me time to go away now and find out, are there studies that are focused on men's health? I could probably find out, but it's not something I've ever even looked at. Yeah. It's not a question that has ever come up in any of the spreadsheets or reports or slides that I've that I've ever done, um, which is maybe interesting. You know, it's interesting in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's maybe something that should come up, but yeah. it clearly it's not clearly it's not a high level objective for the network. So I tend not to focus on it so much. Absolutely. So hopefully this podcast will raise that question mm. about mm. maybe some of the things that we need to do mm -hmm. it's not about saying we need to just focus on men's health and men's health research we need to grow both men's and women's health mm -hmm. and research and the mm -hmm. other genders as well so we, we, we need to think about all of that are there any other kind of um, issues tony or pat that you wanted to share whilst we've got this podcast we've got a few few more minutes anything else before we kind of start to kind of wrap this up one one for me is um laughter is the best medicine mm. and i firmly believe in if you're into comedy comics comedy that sort of thing the whole idea of laughter helps you uh, take away whatever doom and gloom and so on so i encourage people as much as possible um to find whatever comedy in whatever language they want and, and let that let that laughter let that that burst of energy laughter for yeah. me, it's something which I encourage people to do. And also something which is very good for the endorphins. Endorphins is the whole issue of the brain and so on. Physical activity. The more physical activity you are doing, it better enables the body and the whole of the issue of mental health. So sitting down on your proverbial or on your bottom 24-7, the couch potato lifestyle isn't good for anybody. You need to get up there and do the Zumba, the Pilates, the yoga, the line dancing, the fast-paced walking. 
physical activity. Some people call it exercise, but I choose not to call it exercise because that conjures up images you want the person to go to the gym. Physical activity, walking up the stairs, down the stairs, going to the park, um, whatever, fast-paced walking. Those things as well help to increase the whole issue of your brain. I'm not medically qualified, but I know it works because it works for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the laughter issue with the comedy and the plays and the comics and all of that stuff on YouTube or, 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 or Netflix or on the television, and also the physical activity, stimulate the brain and make you enable and, and make you more motivated. Those are two tips I'd leave with anybody. And also drinking as much water as is possible, which helps to flush out the toxins and the poisons. That's the aim of what the kidney is about. And that too is very good. Not taking, taking to the beer and the alcohol, those of us who do drink, I know Muslims don't drink and the Seventh-day Adventists don't drink, but other people who do drink, drinking within moderation. Go for more water, more water, more water, more water. You're cleansing your body by and, and also your whole brain and your whole. Those are tips I'd leave with anybody listening to this podcast as well. Thank you. Pat, any tips from you just to wrap up? Exercise and the laughter. Those are two, the physical activity, if you will, and the laughter. Those are those are hugely important things. I, I always feel better. I, I have a you know, I sometimes have trouble motivating myself mm -hmm. to get out and, and to get my heart pumping and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, every every time I do and I come back, I feel like I'm on a bit of a high. Exactly the same for laughter. If you can find something that makes you collapse in giggles, man, you feel so much better after. Mm -hmm. The other the other thing though is is and it, it you know it depends on the on the type of a person that you are, I suppose, just to be able to uh, to enjoy music to be able to enjoy scenery nature mm -hmm. you know, i love i love nothing more than to be out by myself mm -hmm. on the side of a mountain someplace just standing looking at the view around me going look, look at this place where we live look at this and it, mm -hmm. to be honest even in the city as well you know look up from the shops look at the architecture look around you look at the look at the colors of all the faces and the notice things around you stop and stop and take the world in a little bit i think mm. um it just it gets you it kind of gets you outside of yourself somehow mm -hmm. you i think if you focus on other people more i think it's good for you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah those those and and certainly the the physical activity yeah mm -hmm. and and then the other thing i would say to people is no matter what you're going through whether it's physical, mental, emotional, financial, whatever it might be, there is always somebody out there who has gone through something very similar. Mm -hmm. And have a chat. Yes. You know, somehow seek out that other person. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. Um, and I'd, I'd also add social interaction. Don't so. just stay in that little cocoon all by yourself. Try and socially interact with other people yeah. um, as much as possible. Uh, even the whole issue of remember during COVID, we couldn't even touch. My, my daughter visited and we had to see it. the whole issue of being able to touch somebody and, and hug them and feel their warmth and, and, and so on. That we had to put away during COVID. But if you're able to visit your, your neighbor or your this, that, and the other, we're coming out of lockdown now and so on. The whole ability of touching another human being and having interaction with that person and engaging and talking to that person, 
does 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 well for mind, body, and soul as well. Thank you so much, Pat and Tony. You've raised a number of key issues, and and just to summarize, you know, start talking. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, Pat and Tony, mm -hmm. social importance of um, social interaction. There's always any. There's always help and support out there, no matter what you're going through, mm -hmm. whether it's financial, work, um, studies, your home life, your mental or physical health. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said, Pat, sometimes just stop and breathe, you know, take mm -hmm. things in, mm -hmm. appreciate what's around you and, you know, take that time just to breathe and, and to think, OK, what's my next step? How can I get some help if I need that? Mm -hmm. I've really got to thank both of you for this very interesting discussion that we've had thank you for sharing your experience your expertise you're welcome um, and i hope some of our listeners can enjoy this podcast and it gives them food for thought and, and some things to some issues to think about um, in terms of mental health sort of thing I've, i would ever have done in the past but uh yeah mm, it's important yeah. and it's been interesting thank it's you very much take, yes take care everyone take care all right, and, all right. Uh, see you bye. soon bye-bye Thank you for listening to The Retreat. Tune in next time for more insights from your colleagues in the West Midlands. If you have an interesting story that you would like to tell, please get in touch.